This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You might have heard the saying from the rooter to the tutor. You're cooking the head, the shoulders, the ham, the loin. You're doing all of that, you know, at once. Your entire haul. Welcome to Homemade from All Recipes. I'm Marty Duncan. Each episode of this podcast celebrates not just the food, but the people behind the food. And today, my guest is someone you'd normally find in the pit room at one of his restaurants in Birmingham, Alabama, or Charleston, South Carolina. This is more vinegar base. Uh, yeah, that's got some kick. Chef Rodney Scott and his crew of pitmasters have brought back the nearly extinct art of whole hog barbecue. And in 2018, Chef Scott was the first pitmaster to win the James Beard Best Chef Award. That is a very big deal. And we're so happy to have him on Homemade today, especially as barbecue season is really heating up. Thank you all for having me. It's great to be here. Hey, listen, I'm a big fan of yours. You may not know it, but I am a giant fan of yours. You've opened a restaurant in my hometown of Birmingham, and I am there a lot. I love it. It's awesome. (laughs) Good. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. You're known for your slogan, every day is a good day. Tell me about that. Every day is a good day came from some personal life challenges that I've went through a few years back. Everything from divorce to learning how to run a business to dealing with the public on a wider variety of personalities and opinions and thoughts on how you should cook your hogs and where you should serve your food. And it kind of got to me because I'm somewhat sensitive, but all the same time, I try to be positive and my feelings were hurt and I was down and I said, you know what? Every day is a good day. I can make life what I want it to be. And I'm going to make sure that I spread positive energy as much as I can. I love that. So I say to myself, every day is a good day. If you wake up, it is a good day. Yeah. It's up to you to fill in the blanks. You know, you already woke up. So the day is here and it's up to you to make it a good day. That's right. And if you wake up, you got a new chance to make it a good day every day. I love that. And you even got that in a t-shirt. I'm going to go get one. It's on the t-shirts. It's on our store walls. It's in our messages. If you speak to me and ask me how I'm doing, I may tell you every day is a good day. Well, good. I'm going to adopt that one myself. Take it. Spread it. Yeah, I had a little run-in with a red oak this past week, and trust me, after that, um, I know you use a lot of red oak. I got a lot of it growing here on my farm, and I had a little run-in with a red oak that left me with 10 staples in my head. It wasn't exactly a good experience. But when you wake up after a day like that, you know, every day's a good day. If I'm living, it's good. Definitely, definitely. I want to know, what is your favorite family recipe? My favorite family recipe Like when it comes to a holiday or something, what can you not wait for somebody to break out? Well, usually I can't wait for somebody to break out the different styles of mac and cheese that some of my family does. You going to tell me the favorite or you can't do that? I don't think I I don't. I don't (laughs) understand your question in that. (laughs) 
Yeah, probably not a good idea to say the favorite, is it? My mama made yeast rolls, and I'm going to tell you what. When I'd see that pan come out, I'm like, ooh, honey. Oh. Yeah, the yeast rolls. I would have to say, wow. Usually the pork chops, the fried pork chops, if it's an inside dinner, yeah. Ooh, I love a fried pork chop, and I like them fried a little bit hard. I know that's a real country thing, but I love mine fried like that. My mother did that. Yeah, I would have to say that fried pork chop would probably be one of the first go-tos in a family dinner, yeah. Yeah, with a side of that great mac and cheese. Tell me about some of the different styles of mac and cheese that your family does when it's time for a potluck or whatever. My family's done the mac and cheese with the uh, condensed milk. They've done the mac and cheese with the sharp cheddar, the two or three different cheeses, like a mild cheddar or... Yeah, I do mine with a couple. Anybody do it with a barbecue or bacon in there? I do like that. Once upon a time, there was a barbecue mac and cheese that we did. And I thought that was just one of the craziest things I've ever tried. I think it's good. Yeah, it was unique. I never heard of it. And we mixed it up and we tried it and it was pretty good. Then I tried to do some uh, lobster mac at home myself. That's pretty fancy. Yeah, I didn't do my best on that, but I ate it anyway. (laughs) I would too. My mama made her mac and cheese with spaghetti noodles because we would always have spaghetti one night a week. So she always used spaghetti noodles and people always think that's so weird. But, you know, you love what you grow up eating. Oh, yeah. All right. What is your prize position? Like mine is my mama's cast iron skillet. That's my prize position. You'd have to fight me for it. My prize possession does it have to be something in the kitchen. You're asking? No, like it be your truck or whatever. There you go, baby. You hit the nail on the head. My truck. <laughs> Right? Yeah. What do you drive? A big uh, F-150? No. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is it? No, no, no. Too many letters in that name. (laughs) I am a GMC man all day. 2,500 heavy duty. 2,500. Well, I guess you got to have a big truck to pull those big rigs. Got to have a big truck. All right. So here's my last question in this group, and then we're going to get to the food. What's your go-to entrance song? Like, if you're going to be on Jimmy Fallon, what song are they going to play when you walk out? Giving you the best of me. Amazing. (laughs) Outrageous. Anthony Hamilton, the best of me. That's my favorite jam. I mean, that's that song I would play all the time. All right. I love it. That's a good one, too. All right, chef. We're going to get down to the food now. My mouth is watering just thinking about it. You are known for the whole hog barbecue. I mean, you really did bring it back from extinction. And just talking about it, I mean, my so hungry just thinking about it. That crispy skin, man. I will fight somebody for that crispy skin. I'm so tickled that you sell that in a bag here in Birmingham. I can just go and get it. It's so good. Folks are lining up for this whole hog. Are are you kind of surprised at the reception and how people have responded to it? And quite frankly, the beard nomination, was that all been a big surprise to you or you knew that was coming? Wow. I did not know it was coming, the James Beard nominations, the reactions to whole hog. I had no idea. Coming from a small town, you didn't hear a lot about the James Beard Awards. I did imagine and dream walking across that stage, but never in my wildest did I ever think that it would really happen. And when people started to accept and appreciate the whole hog even more, I was just happy that they were eating, you know? Right. Wow, we get a chance to watch these people eat. These folks are enjoying what we did. And that was pretty much it. But when that nomination came and that walk across that stage, to this day, for me, it's, it's still unbelievable. 
just listening to you describe what you do, watching people eat the foods you cook, that says a lot about your food. It's all about the love, your love for what you do in terms of the whole hog and your love for feeding other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, your menu even says all about the love. We love our people, we love our customers, and we love this product that we're making for you. Tell me just a little bit about how you got started, because we're all barbecue cooks in our own mind. We all think we're pretty good on the grill, right? How do you transform your first experience grilling until this James Beard Award, big, huge celebrity chef? How did you start? My start was one afternoon in Hemingway, South Carolina. It was during our winter break for school, and we had a basketball game. That was a local rival game, Battery Park versus Hemingway. And during that time, I went to the Battery Park School. Battery Park School was an elementary school up until junior high. And Hemingway was the neighboring school that the ninth grade started for Battery Park. And it was always a rivalry between the two. And this basketball game was that night. And you always had to do chores. And my chore and challenge that day was to cook the hog. 11 years old and your job was to cook a whole pig? Yeah, I mean, work is work in the South. That's right. But I mean, at 11, that's a big responsibility for 11-year-olds. I don't know too many 11-year-olds. I'd let plug in the mixer, much less cook a whole hog. For people who don't know what whole hog barbecue is, Rodney, tell us what that means. Whole hog barbecue means you're cooking everything. You might have heard the saying from the rooter to the tutor. You're cooking the head, the shoulders, the ham, the loin. You're doing all of that at once. The snout to the tail. Yeah, you're going to do it all. And that's what whole hog barbecue is. And getting this hog loaded and started and then the challenge thrown at me at 11 years old to say, keep it fired, keep checking under it and don't burn it was what I was told. Keep wood in the barrel. And what I didn't know was there was another guy there secretly watching me all day making sure that I didn't screw anything up. I remember once he said, you better fire your hog. And I knew every few minutes to keep it fire and keep listening for the drip. Fire, it means you take the wood burns down to coals. Then you take the coals and you shovel it under the pig, basically. Were you grilling it on a grill or you were in a smoker? It was a grill and you would take the shovel and spread the coals under the hams and the shoulders. And those were the only directions that I was given and don't burn it. And you don't want to put it under the belly because that meat is not as thick as the hams and the shoulders. So if you're ever cooking a whole hog, try not to fire under the belly. Just keep it on the hams and the shoulders, and it'll just cook right there, low and slow. We'll have more with Chef Rodney Scott right after the break. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Homemade. I'm talking with Chef Rodney Scott. What's the longest you've ever had to man a pit or a grill? What's like 20 hours or something? 20 hours was the longest I ever manned a grill. I guess that. I win a prize. <laughs> winner, winner, whole hog dinner. 
<laughs> okay, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> I got you covered. Yeah, we did a whole hog for about 20 hours a while back. That was a challenge. These all started from community. Like when there would be an event, like your basketball game, there'd be a whole hog and everybody gathers around. Everybody brings side dishes. It's a real community thing. Yes. Is that something you've tried to keep in mind as you're building your restaurants where it feels like community? Definitely. When we are building these restaurants, we want to make everything feel inviting. We want it to feel like community, feel like family, that backyard gathering, that church picnic. We want to kind of spread that love, which leads me back to our message when we say everybody has a seat at our table because we want it to feel good. We want it to feel like family. We want it to feel like one giant party where everybody has been invited to and they can just come in and share what we've done and just have some of the best time with some of the best music. Well, I feel like you're bringing some family into the menu because you've got Ella's banana pudding. Who's Ella? That's my mom. Tell us a little bit about Ella's banana pudding and why it's so good that you put it on your menu. Let me tell you how special that banana pudding is. That banana pudding takes me back to when I was too short to see the kitchen counter and my mom would give me broken Nilla wafers that were left in the bottom of the box while she was making the banana pudding. So I knew if she was in there whipping up banana pudding, I would run right in there and be able to get me some crumbs of cookies. And growing up, just about every other Sunday or so, we had banana pudding on the table. It was just good. Yeah, my mama made one too. Now, tell me this. Your mama used whipped cream on the top or is it meringue? She used whipped cream. And that's how you serve it at the restaurant? Yes. Now, she gave you her special banana pudding recipe or you had to pry it out of her? Or how did that happen? <laughs> that was not given. We all sat down and we started talking about our food and putting the menu together. And the banana pudding came up and we just kept going at it and going at it until that flavor memory kicked in. And I was like, wow, yes, right there. That's my mama. So we kind of reinvented my mama's banana pudding just by working it out. You know, that's what a lot of us have to do at home. If we have a recipe that we didn't get down from our mamas, we have to keep at it and add it until we can kind of figure it out. I had to do that with my mama's pot roast. I never got her recipe and I made it so often I thought I could just do it. And then after she passed away, I made it for my dad and we both were like, that's not the same. It took me 10 years to figure out what I was doing wrong. But I finally got it. It was a bay leaf. <laughs> All it was was a bay leaf. I was just missing a bay leaf. That was all I was missing. Well, I am really excited to get down there and try that banana pudding. It sounds amazing. And if you didn't grow up in the South, you don't know how important banana pudding is to us. But there was hardly anything that you would go to that you didn't have banana pudding on the table, right? Whether it's like church or picnics or backyard barbecues or whatever, somebody's bringing banana pudding. And it's usually one person who is known for it. So I'm excited to try Ella's banana pudding. I might have to drive into town here in a minute to get some. You should. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about your signature sauce, because your signature barbecue sauce is a little bit different than what most South Carolina sauces are. It is a vinegar-based sauce made out of white vinegar. We have some cayenne pepper in it, some black pepper. We got a little bit of lemon juice in there, and we got a couple of other little things in there. You got to know me very well for me to tell you that. But it's a vinegar-based sauce, and a lot of South Carolina is known for some mustard, and even some tomato I've heard exists in the upstate is a lot of tomato-based sauce. I like a vinegar-based sauce. That's what I grew up with. That's my favorite. I have some questions for you from friends and family and fans who have followed you for a while. So uh, I'm going to read you some of these questions, too. 
What is the strangest food you've ever barbecued? Bear meat is the strangest food I've ever barbecued. A hunk of bear. Now tell me how that came to be. A guy that was from Hemingway was living in North Carolina and had friends in the mountains, apparently, that gave him some bear meat. And he had it and brought it down and said, I want to barbecue it. And we were in charge of barbecuing this hunk of bear meat. And I think I was about 14, 15 at the time. We would get in trouble for touching food that didn't belong to us. But we took a challenge at this one and we took a corner off. And from what I remembered, it was pretty good. I've never tried it. I'm not sure I would. It means I would have had to tangle with a bear somewhere, and I'm not (laughs) excited to do that, frankly. All right, so we already talked about the longest time you've ever spent manning the pit at 20 hours. Now, tell me what that was for again. Were you in a competition, or how in the world did you have the wherewithal to do that? You must have just been, like, on a mission. When you're on that mission of barbecuing, you do what you got to do to get it done. If it's go to sleep, get some help, or just stay with it. It was several occasions. We did a couple of hogs in competitions, and we did a cow twice. A whole cow? A whole cow, yeah. My Fatback Collective team, we did a whole cow, and I was one of the guys that sat there with it all night. Over a couple of drinks and some stories, I bet. Ooh, man, the stories. OMG, the stories. All right. Well, I need to get an invitation to that one of these days. <laughs> I'll mix the drinks and y'all come with the stories and the cow. How about that? The stories will definitely outweigh the drinks. Trust me. <laughs> All right. What was your biggest barbecue disaster? Oh, man. Pit fire. Oh, no. I want to say it might have been 89, 90, I think. We had our first pit fire and that one shook me for a while. What happened? There was a hog that caught fire and it caught the wall of the pit. And the whole building just caught fire. Oh, my gosh. And it burns. Does that happen very often where the hog will catch fire? Sometimes hogs catch fire from the grease dripping. The way that we cook a whole hog directly over hot coals, you have to be a little extra cautious to make sure you don't get flare-ups. I understand. And wherever grease has hardened, old grease or whatever has built up, all of that can ignite as well. So if you have a hog, say you got a double pit and the hog is on one side and the other side is empty, if the other side was to blaze up any, the whole thing could still burn. Oh, my goodness. So that would have been your biggest disaster, I imagine. All right. You're known for whole hog. What are some cuts that amateurs like all of us should try? What would you recommend? I would say probably a shoulder or a butt. Is that the same cut, a butt and a shoulder, same thing? Not quite. Nothing too big. All depends on how many people you have over and how much confidence you have in yourself. Probably the butt. Okay. And are you a rub, a brine, a mop, sauce? Tell us a little bit about the technique we should employ when we're tackling either like a butt or shoulder. When you're tackling a butt or a shoulder, I don't recommend a rub in the beginning because if sugar's in it, it tends to burn a little bit. You get a little char. Too early, too early. Okay. It chars a little too quick. Once you get it flipped over, if you want, you can sauce it. If you want to put a rub on it before you get started, make sure it doesn't have sugar in it. Gotcha. Or too much salt. Do y'all mop? We mop, yes. My daddy used to. I'm a big fan of the mop. When I was a kid, Rodney, my daddy is a structural steel engineer, and he built a three-tier barbecue tower in our backyard. And it was my princess castle. I would get up on top of it and rule the world, right? But a couple of times a year, the whole neighborhood men would show up in the backyard, and they'd fill that thing up with butts. And three tiers, they'd rotate them. They'd stay up through the night cooking and drinking beer, and I'd sit in my window and listen. (laughs) 
I would I'd be so intrigued with what was going on around that pit. You know, it's a pretty magical time when you're a kid and to watch all the men in the family and also all the men of the neighborhood come together and cook. Because back then, we'll never see any men cook, ever, never. No men cooked at all, just the women cooked. So I always really love watching them be so serious about getting those butts on there and getting them mopped the right way. For those of you who don't know, a mop is usually vinegar, maybe some acid like a lemon or something. Tell us a little bit about what you use for a mop. Well, we use for a mop, we got the white vinegar, which is usually the rod sauce. The white vinegar sauce with the cayenne and the black pepper, lemon juices, like I said. And once the hog is roasted fresh for 12 hours, once we flip it over, that's when we would put on our peppers, hog seasoning. Then we would mop it down. We would take the mop, dip it in the sauce, and just mop it all the way through the whole hog. Just make sure the flavor goes through down to the skin. About what temperature are we trying to get to? Because I know it's different when we're barbecuing whole a shoulder or butt. I know the temperature is different than what we would do like if we we're cooking pork in our oven. I don't like to come under 190. I'd say 200, 210. Like when you cook a tenderloin or something in the oven, then you're trying to get about 160. The USDA says 160, 165. And a lot of people are skeptical about taking their pork under that. But I know for barbecue, most of the time, it's in the 190, 200 range. Yeah, 200 plus sometimes, you know. Do y'all use meat thermometers or y'all are so adept at it now, y'all just got it by sight and touch? The pitmasters at the restaurant definitely use thermometers and gauges to make sure that they're good. I use these 10 thermometers attached to my wrist because I've been doing it so long. You can tell by touch. Basically by touch, I can tell when it's done or needs to be done. What is your favorite thing to grill? Like if I'm going to say, I'm going to bring something and we're going to cook it, what do you want to cook? My favorite thing to throw on the grill at home would probably be a burger or a hot dog. Yeah, you got burger on your menu, and I've been so tempted to have it, but the barbecue's so good. So if you're making a burger, are you going to put anything in it? you going straight beef? Are we going to take that burger, that ground chuck? So we're going to like a 90-10, or we going to 80-20? I like 80-20 personally. You take your ground chuck. If you're doing it outside on an open flame, you want to just smash it a little bit. Put it down, shake a little bit of rib rub all over the top of it while it's cooking on the grill. Okay. And that rib rub's going to go right through it, man. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. Tell me a little bit about what's in that. You don't have to give away big secrets, but just give me an idea what we might find in there. In Rodney's rib rub, you're going to find some paprika and you're going to find some kosher salt. You're going to have some cayenne in there? Cayenne is definitely in there. And then the top secret after that? A little bit of sugar, maybe. The rest of it, you'd have to get your own bottle and try to taste it and see. So we're going to loosely form the patty. We're going to put them down on the grill. Now, at the restaurant, you griddle these. You don't grill them. You griddle them. We griddle them at the restaurant and we smash them. Oh, I love that. You get that bark on there. You get that little char on there that's just so good. You can't get that from a grill. To me, there's nothing better than a burger that gets that sear on each patty. Ooh, yum. What is the biggest mistake you see home cooks make on the grill? Biggest mistake I see home cooks make on the grill is they get it way too hot where they can't control it or they turn their backs on what they're cooking and it tends to flare up and you lose it. 
So then you get the outsides cooked before the inside can catch up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think most of us are guilty of that. You're trying to manage two or three things. You got folks coming over and the next thing you know, you look over and you see a big fire under whatever it is you're cooking on the grill. Yeah, that's a bad one. So we have talked a lot about meat. You're known for whole hog. So we've talked a lot about meat, but we've got summer right around the corner and produce is going to be plentiful. Is there any veggies you like to grill? Usually if I'm me, Rodney, grilling vegetables, probably asparagus corn i'll do it yeah i love grilled corn it's one of my favorites again i'm not a healthy eater but i'll do one or two i like the cauliflower on the grill love it i do too it's great for those of you who don't like cauliflower try it on the grill it's good you slice it into steaks and grill it big thick steaks is that what you like to do any way that you want to do it as long as that smoked char flavor is in there i like it if you want to slice it into steaks where you can steal one or two of them while you're cooking it yeah Sure. But um, those are pretty much about all the vegetables that I usually grill or uh, grill jalapeno. All right. So if you're going to throw corn on the grill, how do you do it? Me, I like to put it on the hot side of the grill. Again, if you're grilling, make sure you keep a little space in case something's cooking a little too fast so you can move it to a cooler side. You don't want the entire grill super hot where you can't move anything around. Now, do you grill it in the husk or you husk it first? I take it out of the husk. Uh, I do mine in the husk. Really? I do. I lived in Chicago for a long time, and where I would do a lot of my cooking, we had cornfields all around us, so we could just go and pick whatever we wanted. So they'd show up with it. Some of the guys at my barn where I had some horses would show up with corn, and I would some not have time to take the husk and the skin and the silks and everything off, so I would just soak it all in a big cooler, like a big igloo cooler, fill it full of water and soak it good, and then put it right on the hot grill with the silks, the husk, everything intact, and after I would get it good and heated and char up that husk really good, take it off and dump the water out of the cooler and then put the cooked corn in there and shut the lid and it kind of steams in there. So you get the smoky flavor, but it's tender like boiled corn. So you get the best of both. Nice. Never thought about that. Also, the nice thing about it was I could go ahead and cook the corn early and get it done, throw it in that cooler, and it'll stay hot in there for a long time. Oh, yeah. You know those big styrofoam coolers sometimes you get at the beach when you get shrimp or whatever, those big ones? Yeah. That's what I would use. I put all that hot corn in there and then put the top on it, wrap some newspaper around it, put the lid on, and then it would sit there for hours and it'd stay hot and then steam and it'd be smoky and a little bit of a bite to it, but also more tender. That's my two cents. We talked a little bit about mac and cheese earlier, which I think is probably one of the most American and important side dishes to any barbecue. But what other side dishes do you think we could enjoy with our summer barbecue? Baked beans is another popular side. And then, you know, because it's summer and it's so hot, the coleslaw, of course. Yeah. Potato salad. Yeah. You cut through a little bit of that richness of the meat and the sauce with that tangy coleslaw, and it feels nice and cold after everything has been so hot, hot, hot. I love coleslaw. It's one of my favorites. And, you know, a lot of people are very sensitive on whether or not it's on the sandwich or beside it. So it's your choice, your call. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm a beside the sandwich person. (laughs) Are you on or beside? I am whichever one is on the plate. I'm that person. I may put it on myself. It may already be on there. I don't care. Now, how do you like your coleslaw? Like, I like mine super tangy. I like a little bit of buttermilk and super tangy. What about you? I like the tangy with a touch of spice. A little touch of spice, like cayenne? Yay, a little bit of rod sauce in that mixture. Yeah. 
Well, listen, Chef Scott, you are a treasure. Thank you so much for spending time with us. That's so generous to share some of your tips and secrets with us. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Pitmaster Rodney Scott has a new cookbook coming out soon, and he says he's working on opening a new restaurant in Atlanta. You can keep up with everything he's up to by following him on Instagram at Pitmaster Rodney Scott and also at Rodney Scott's BBQ. And you can watch him in action on YouTube. Just search Chef Rodney Scott. Coming up on the next episode of Homemade, she is a fierce competitor. You've seen her on Iron Chef America and most recently on Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions. And you know her as the judge in the middle seat on CHOP. But Chef Amanda Freitag got her start back in high school. My home ec teacher, Miss Joan Levine, was working in a restaurant on the weekends, which, of course, you know, when you're a kid and you're in school, you never picture your teachers doing anything but teach, and that's their life. Um, but she had a whole life outside of that. And I was really interested in restaurant world and chefs and European chefs. And I was obviously her star student because nobody else in home ec even paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> And she told me that there was a school, and I was fascinated by it. That school was the Culinary Institute of America. We'll hear about that, her dad's passion for baking, and a lot more on the next episode. So don't miss it. Subscribe to the podcast right now. And please, if you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, edited in Atlanta, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us online at allrecipes.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Homemade is produced by All Recipes with executive editor Jason Burnett. Thanks to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Tanya Ott, and Maya Croft. Thanks for listening. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade.